you remember when I had, like when I used to have catchy sermon titles? Like I'm sure like you looked in the bulletin today and you're thinking, uh, <laughs> it's not too catchy there. Uh, like there was one that I had called Paul's Paw to Do, which, which you missed. Uh, there was another one that I did recently called Whitewashed. And some of you remember it was about a particular fictional character, an infamous fictional character, uh, Tom Sawyer. And then, and then there, was, there was ones that you'd never forget. Like I know Jeff's never forgotten the one, Live Mike, where we talked about our, our lives are like microphones. Um, and, and, and I was thinking about all these kind of catchy kind of titles and great introductions for this morning. And really, that's not what I want you to remember today. So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, so go on and flip in your copy of scripture or scroll, wherever that is for you. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, it's the fifth book of the Bible. Moses, uh, Moses wrote it, and it's interesting like where they were at this particular point in history, because they, they'd, they'd wandered through the desert, they, they, they had gone through the past, and they were about to cross into the future. Can you imagine like that scene of maybe like if you were one of those Israelites at those moments, like could you imagine like that scene where, where you're just you, you, your past was all this, and you've been wandering around in it and around in circles and circles and circles, and then all of a sudden, like you're about to cross into the future. That's that's where they are at this point. Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two. Deuteronomy 31, I just want to read you a couple verses from Deuteronomy chapter 31. Because this is really where like Moses steps aside from leadership. This is where, in, it's really because God told him to. God, God has said, hey, you're, you're not going to go there anymore. But Deuteronomy chapter 31, I, I just want to read you a few verses before we kind of jump into chapter 32. And that's going to be the main emphasis and, and, and point for our text this morning, but... Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, verse 2, saying, I am now 120 years old. That's, that's old, y'all. That's a, that's a long time. 120 years old. And I'm just like, okay, so there's this guy, and he is 120 years old, and like, so now whatever he's about to say is like, it's going to be either a big deal or it's going to be really funny, because that's what 120-year-old people do. Never met one, but that's what I imagine they would do. So, like, he goes a little bit further. He says, I can no longer act as your leader. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan. But verses 3 through 5 are really interesting. He says, the Lord, your God, is the one who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will drive them out. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, as the Lord has said. Verse 4, the Lord will deal with them as he did Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land, when he destroyed them, the Lord, verse 5, will deliver them over to you, and you must do to them exactly as I have commanded you. It's really cool. Because in those spots, like Moses is saying, hey, you know, listen, I'm 120 years old. I've been around the block. I know I've been around the block a lot of different times with different people because they died out and they didn't obey stuff. But you're different. And like I've been around the block, and I want to let you know that it's God first. You put God first, and you see it there in verses 3 through 5, you put God first, and then God's going to take care of your obstacles, and then Joshua comes next. Moses is like, this is kind of the order that it goes. God is first in your future, Israelites. And maybe some of you this morning need to hear that, like God is first in your future. Like if you remember him in your past, 
and where he is. And maybe for some of you, like, you've not ever had that moment, and so there isn't a past for you. But today, and you can remember where God has brought you from today. He's like, hey, God is in your future, y'all. And then, like, Moses writes down the law in the, in, in, in the rest of chapter 30 when he writes down the law. And then, and then he, 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 he says, hey, don't forget it. It's almost like he was singing. I, I imagine, and, like, there's a cassette tape up here. So, like, I imagine. I've been listening to 80s music all week as I've been preparing for this. What, what, what? But I imagine, like, when he's writing this, he's singing, don't you forget about me. Right? Some of you are like, I know that, don't you forget. Like, I've listened to like five different versions of that song. Is that sad? That's sad. Let's keep going. Anyway, he warns the people, and then he sings a song. Chapter 31, he, he's just writing stuff down. Hey, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Hey, hey, hey. But then he sings a song in chapter 32. And that's where we're going to open up today, is chapter 32. So I hope you're there. But before we get there, I imagine, I just wonder what kind of song besides don't forget about me, like I imagine what kind of song he would have sang to God and to the Israelites. What do you think? He could have said a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, like, you know, every time like you go to a Star Wars movie, right? I went and saw the new one, which I loved it, but whatever. Like every time you go to see a Star Wars movie, like it shows Lucasfilm, some of you are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Your homework today is to go see a Star Wars movie. But, like, every time, like, you see a Star Wars movie, like, it says Lucasfilms right at the beginning, and it kind of, like, fades in and out a little bit, and then it's, like, a breathtaking pause, and it's, it's like, a pregnant pause if you're, if you're writing, and, you're, like, you're just waiting for the music to start, and this comes up, and then, boom, there it is. And you're, like, wow. Maybe, maybe they were saying, how many of y'all know Alan Jackson? Alan Jackson, personally? That's good. No, I'm just kidding. So, like, he has that song, Remember When, y'all remember that one? Remember when? Anyway, like, I don't know what kind of song he probably would have sang according to today's standards, but I know what it says here in Scripture. In chapter 32, verses 1 through 4. Let me, let's read four verses real quick, and then we're going to pack those for a little bit, and then we'll jump to verses 7 through 9, and then we'll jump a little bit farther into the future, and then, and then we'll be done. Moses says, pay attention, heavens, and I will speak. And that's dangerous for a 120-year-old 120 person to say but he says, pay attention, heavens, and I will speak, listen, earth, to the words of my mouth. Look at verse 2. Let my teaching fall like rain and my word settle like dew, like gentle rain on new grass. Hello? It is raining outside. There was a point last night, Mary, and I woke up a few different times during the night, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But there was, a, like, one of the times I'm like, hey, baby, is it raining outside? Because at this point, like, my brain is all muddied. It's all muddle. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. Is it raining? She's like, yeah, it's raining. I'm like, that's great. Moses is like, let my teaching fall like rain. Verse 3, for I will proclaim the Lord's name, declare the greatness of our God, the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are just, a faithful God without bias. He is righteous and true. I mean, this is a man. This is a man who's made mistakes. This guy, Moses, he's made a lot of mistakes. In fact, his most recent mistakes are irreparable. There are irreparable consequences. Like, he could never fix those consequences ever again. Like, that's why he is where he is right now. He's the kind of guy that's made so many bad mistakes and, like, such a heinous one at the end that it's going to cause him to not be able to go into the promised land. Like, he's not going to be able to go into that part of his future. Which is interesting because he's the kind of guy, like, like, like me or like many of you, who maybe have had a tough year this year, hello, who 
could have said, Moses could have said, you know, I'm out. I'm done. You know, God said I can't go anymore. Like, I'm, I'm old anyway. I don't care. I'm out. He could have taken his ball and he could have went home. Just like some of you are probably sitting there right now, and you're like, man, school's been tough, or work's been tough, or this has been tough, and you're like, I could have been that person, I could have been Moses, and I could have taken my ball, and I could have gone somewhere else. They don't like me, so I'll go somewhere else. If you're a student in here this morning, number one, congratulations for waking up early on Christmas break, because I, I know from like Christmas Day to like New Year's Day, everyone's thinking, I don't even know what day it is anymore. You know? I've been in my pajamas all week. I don't think I've showered. I had a student I was talking to this week, and like, he didn't shower for like three days, and his brother and I were like, really? Really, man? He's like, I just stayed in bed all the time. It was great. Well, anyway, if you're a student in here, like, it doesn't matter if you're in, in high school or junior high or if you're in college or grad school like me. Like, you've probably had a lot of insurmountable odds this semester so far, right? Like, where, like, schoolwork has been just tough and there's been papers and projects and it's just, everything's just piling up on you and you're like, I don't know if I can do it. And, like, for some of you, like, with your job, some of you are in a position right now with your job, like, where corporate is, like, breathing down your neck, and they want numbers, and they want numbers, it's end of the year, and they just want you to deliver. They want, like, a big, massive portfolio, or maybe for some of you, your board is breathing down your neck, or the trustees are at your, at your throat, or maybe, like, there's some distrust within your, in, in, within your workplace. Maybe they've even questioned your integrity. Can I get an amen? Some of you are like, I've been there, I'm there now. And you're thinking, I, 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 will I do it? Will I continue to do it like when they're questioning who I am? And some of you, like it's even worse because some of you are like in your, in your marriage or in your family or in your social relationships. Some of you right now, where you are, you're like, it's too tough. I don't know if I trust my spouse. I don't know, like there's some beef between me and my aunts and uncles or like between me and my cousins or me and my best friend. And like, I just, I don't know, James. I don't know if I can continue to, to go on with this. Like, there's pain in my family, or there's, there's some craziness at Christmas, and you're still trying to get over that last big dramatic hurdle that happened this fall. And you're like, ah, should I? Should I even go further? Moses, out of every one of us in here, Moses had every reason to say, you know what? I'm out. Peace, guys. I'll just go back to that bush. I know where it was. It was burning. You, you can't miss it. And yet Moses decides not to. Let's go back and look at verse, let's go on and look back at, uh, at verse 1. Right? You feel me? Verse 1, let me show you a couple of different things here. Verse 1 and verse 3. He says, pay attention heavens and I what? Will speak. Right? What tense is that verb? Future tense. Look at verse 3 real quick. It's the same thing. He says, for I what? Will proclaim. Like I'm going to do these things future tense. I'm going to continue to do these things. Go on and look at verse 2 for a moment. This one's really neat. In fact, as you're reading through the Bible this year in 2018, like when and you get here, I, w- I want you to underline this right now in your Bible or highlight it in your phone or like circle around it, play, place a star. Moses says, let my teaching, he says, let my teaching, and so go on and underline teaching. I'm sorry, that's verse 2. Let my teaching fall like rain. For a 120-year-old guy, he's, ha- he, he's got to have a lot of teaching under his belt. But you know, really, a better way to understand that word for teaching is like a worldview. Like, it's his model of living. It's like his lens by which he sees everything. 
So here it is, Moses is saying, hey, let my teaching, let my worldview, let my way of looking at life, let my lens, which I've gathered my entire life, like this is the way I orient my life, this is how I see everything. You can write this down. You've got to get your worldview right in order to move forward in life. Some of you, like right now, like you feel like 2017, you've been stuck in whatever sinful, like, thing that you've been, like, lifestyle that you've been into or whatever kind of workplace issue or environment that you've been in or whatever social issues that you've had going on within your family or friendships that you feel like you've been stuck. Maybe you feel like you've been stuck in your own mind and you're like, I just can't get past whatever this is. And you know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, I can't get past this. You've got to reorient your worldview, your lens, the way that you look and see everything. Moses is like, hey, let my, let, let, take my worldview, take my lens, take, take my mode of living, my, my, my way of life. Look at verse 4. There's three verbs here I want us to look at in verse 4. He says, the rock, now that's not talking about Dwayne Johnson, right? The rock is pretty cool, but he cusses sometimes, and that's bad. This isn't talking about Peter the rock, because he cut off a guy's ear. And that doesn't make you bad, but that's not a good thing. That could get you in trouble. The rock, before everyone else was the rock, the Lord God Almighty is the rock, right? The rock God. His work is perfect. His ways are just a faithful God without. He is righteous. These are all present tense things. He's like, hey, I know what my past looked like. I know what my last decisions were. I know, like, I kind of screwed up a few different times, but I want to let you know, like, this God, this is a God worth following today, and this is a God worth following forever in the future, tomorrow. Amen. This is a big deal. Why? Because God is unchangeable. God is unchangeable. He's the, he's, he's the same in the past as he is in the present as he will be in the future. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But let's skip down to verse 7 for a moment. These people, if you want a little synopsis, verses 5 and 6, these people were kind of like you and I, and they were stiff-necked, and they weren't following after God. But look at verse 7. This is beautiful. Verse 7, this is where we, we'll spend the next few moments on. He says, remember the days of old. Remember the days of old. That word there for remember, that Hebrew word there for remember, it's used 222 times. That exact word with those exact vowel markings and everything. 222 times in the Old Testament. 16 of those times it's used in the book of Deuteronomy, starting in chapter 4, verse 10. It's it's starting like, remember the days of old. Because Moses is reminding the people. Because of God, he's reminding the people, hey, I want you to remember the days of old. There's a purpose to remembering. He's like, I want you to remember all these things. There's a big deal behind it. Why? Because the the idea here is that it's not just a mental inward act, but one that ties to an external action. Or or another way of putting it is this. You can write this down. You remember for a purpose. Right? You remember for a purpose. I have a daughter. She's eight. She's in here this morning. Really excited for her. But for those of you with kids or grandkids, maybe your kids are grown, and you tell them, you remember when I told you blah, 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 blah? Yeah, and then your next question is, well, why didn't you do blah, 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 right? Every time, every, every time, every time, that hurts. Anyway, so the idea is that you remember for, the pur- for a purpose, the, the opposite meaning in Hebrew is forgetting. Well, James, it sounds self-explanatory. Yeah, it kind of does, but get this. 
in, in the Hebrew understanding is that you forget and do nothing, or you remember and do something. So you can't, like, the way that we make excuses now, and we're like, James, do you remember when I told you blah, blah, blah? Yeah, I do. Well, if I really did, I would have done something about it. Because the biblical understanding here in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32, the biblical understanding of remembering is that you remember it for a purpose to do something with it. It's not just something like, oh, I remember and I felt intellectually better about it. Yes. Oh, philosophically, I'm so much better now. Thank you very much. No, it's not that. It's like you're doing something with it now. It's a beautiful thing. It's the same word in, in Psalm 77, 12. I'm going to read that for you real quick. But you can write this down, Psalm 77, verse 12. And it's also the same word in Isaiah, chapter 63, verse 11, the same exact word. So you can look that one up later. Psalm 77, 12 says this, I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. I will reflect. I will remember. I will, like there's a reason, God, why I want to remember everything that you've done because I want to do something with it. It's remembering the Lord's works. It's remembering what God has done. For a reason. There's a reason why we're supposed to remember what God has done. But go on and look back at verse 4. It says, remember the days of old. Remember the days of old. Like that whole idea of the days of old, it reminds me of the word nostalgia, right? Like right now in American pop culture, the word nostalgia or the idea of nostalgia, the whole concept of nostalgia, it's a big deal right now. Because like TV shows are making lots of money on that. There's There's a show on ABC called The Goldbergs. Uh, there's a show on Netflix called Stranger Things. What, what? There's, there's, like, they're, they're making movies that are, like, take place 10, 20, 30 years ago or 50 years ago. Like, people like to see those things, read those things, buy those things. Like, I remember we were at Target not too long ago in the toy section. And, like, y'all remember the old speak and say? Y'all remember the speak and say? Like, when I used to get the speak and say, like, it's, like, this round thing. And it has, like, all these barnyard animals around it. And it has the arrow. And, like, I would, like, I would pretend I was a DJ. And, like, I would, it doesn't matter. But, like, I would scratch it a little bit. But, like, they have all these old classic toys, like, in classic boxes, vintage, nostalgic-type boxes. Because nostalgia is a phenomenon right now. Y'all probably remember, like, one of the most beloved shows on TV, The Wonder Years. Came out in, what, the late 80s, early 90s? But, like, it took place in, what, the 60s? Crazy. People love nostalgia. The stu- now, the word, the term, the idea of nostalgia, like, it's been around for... For, for, for centuries. It's been around like since ancient Greece and Rome. Like there's, study, like there's words, word choices from back then. But the actual study of nostalgia, like the study of the whole phenomena behind it, started really in the 17th century in Switzerland. So here was this guy, and he started to notice that all these Swiss soldiers, uh, that, like after they'd come home from war, every time they heard cowbells, they started to like freak out a little bit. And they're like, oh, it's cowbells. And so he started, like, so this, this scientist started to, this psychologist started to write down all these things, like, okay, well, what's going on, and why are they acting so crazy every time they hear, they're cowbells, right? Every time they, they hear cowbells. I, personally, I think we need more cowbell in life. Can I get an amen? But, like, they get freaked out whenever they hear cowbells, and so, like, they're writing it down, and he began to realize it reminded them of when they were in war, in fields, and so, like, he categorized nostalgia as, like, this negative thing. In fact, it, it, almost as if it was a cerebral disease or a cerebral demonic disease. He, he even wrote in his journal, he said that, he said that this, was, this was akin to animal spirits. He tried to explain it to animal spirits being in your middle brain. 
nostalgia really had like an old, uh, uh, nostalgia of old really has like a, nostalgia of old, really has like this idea of kind of like a negative thing. But I did a survey uh, on, on, on social media uh, this last week, so I wanted to get some of your thoughts and some of my friends' thoughts from around, from around the world, and I'm like, hey, what do you think about nostalgia? And I asked them six, six different questions. I'm going to show you the results of, of a couple of them real quick. I think I've got a picture of that. Is that right? You can't even see it, but I can. All right, so he says, so question number two was, overall, I think nostalgia is, and the top answer, well, the two top answers were saying that, that we, as American society, believe that nostalgia is a good thing. Number one, because it, it helps people reorient the past. Uh, 54% of the respondents said it. it. We believe that it helps uh, people reorient their past. When you look back, it helps you reorient how it is, which is... We're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, the second biggest answer was uh, 13%. It, uh, it says that nostalgia is a good thing because it helps focus on our future. Helps us to remember the past and focus on it, like reorient like what it really was and whittle it down. But it also helps us to focus on our future. John Piper. I'm really excited, by the way, for our college students and young adults, our 18 to 24-year-olds. They're going... They're leaving tomorrow morning, right? Corey, how early in the morning are y'all leaving? 8.30? That's not too bad. That's not too bad. But, like, they're going to go to Atlanta, Georgia, and they're going to get to, to go to this thing called the Passion Conference. Uh, you can stream it, I think, live uh, on your computers at home uh, or in your office or wherever you are on New Year's Day, New Year's night and the following days. But they get to hear from, from some of the nation's best communicators uh, preachers, pastors, Priscilla Schreier is going to be there, really excited about that. Um, that's where Chris Tomlin, and like a lot of the songs that we sing, like they, they kind of get birthed out of this conference that they're going to, that Corey's leading a bunch of them to. You're taking like 87 or 90 or 12, okay, that's pretty close, that's pretty close. Remember when like I got that wrong on stage and you called me out? Okay, anyway, so John Piper's going to be there. And, like, he's probably one of the biggest brainiacs out there in Christianity. He had a podcast where it's called Ask Pastor John. And I put a link to this on, online on my Facebook. If you want to link to it, come see me afterwards and I'll send it to you. But someone said, hey, is it bad to, to, to get into and to think about and to live in a nostalgic sense? Look at his quote here. I want to, uh, I want to, I'm going to read to you. He says, this is profound. He says, you can wreck your life by neglecting the past. And you neglect your life by excessive living in the past. Like, wow, that's good. Because nostalgia could be good or it could be bad. And he's like, if you spend too much time in it, that's a bad deal. He's like, consequently, if you don't spend enough time in it, like, that's a bad deal too. I'm going to leave that up there just for a moment for you to write it down a little longer. But nostalgia is an editing process where we begin to understand why we see ourselves the way we do. Like, nostalgia is a good thing, and, and I'm sorry, teenagers, like, studies show, like, you don't start feeling nostalgic until, like, you're in your 20s or really in your, into your 30s. But, like, nostalgia is a good deal because it helps you to, like, reorient how you view yourself based on what happened to you in your past. And that's a good thing. If you do it the right way. Nostalgia builds our, our cultural choices, it builds our worldview, it builds our lens that Moses is talking about, like my teaching, and like it builds how you see yourself, how you see the world, the reason why you make the decisions that you make. It helps you reorient everything about your life. 
But here's the deal. You've got to talk about it with other people. Go on back to verse, verse 7 there. Verse 7, he says, Remember the days of old. Now, he's singing the song, right? And you would think that he's just singing the song by himself, but if, and this isn't going to be on the screen, and so I'm just going to read it to you, but at verse 44, so I want to keep this verse up, but in verse 44, it says, Moses came with Joshua after he finished singing, and he recited all the words of the song in the presence of the people. Like Moses was singing this song where he's telling everybody to remember the days of old. He's singing it in front of everybody. Actually, he can't sing, so he's reciting it. He, I don't know. It probably goes back to speech impediment. But like he's doing it in front of everybody because remembering yourself, remembering your past, remembering what God has done, it's really a community effort. And that's why you can't do church by yourself. If you ever see somebody like, well, I just do church by myself at home on the TV. You can just look them in the face and you're like, you're wrong. Technically, you're, that's what you're doing, but like, you can't do church by yourself. You can't grow closer to the Lord by yourself. You can never, ever do it on your own. Like We always need each other to help us grow closer in the Lord. That's why we have big corporate services like this, and that's why I harp on plugging you into small groups later, because that's where you do life together. And if you're not connected, you're missing out. You're missing out, and you know you are. So he's seeing, remembering the past together, you can write this down, remembering the past together helps you rest on God's faithfulness. Remembering the past together helps you rest on God's faithfulness. Case in point, interesting thing, I wrote these notes on Thursday, all right? And the example that I give here, you can't even see it from me, I don't even know why I'm showing you. The example I put here when I'm writing sermon notes, I put EX, which stands for example, because I'm too lazy to write out example. I put a colon, and I put Mary and I. And I was going to talk to you about our ministry that we're starting up, that we're firing up. It's a nonprofit that we're starting up in 2018. I was going to tell you about that. Because like of how we've remembered our past together, and how, how we've thought through what God has done in our past, so that it propels us into what we're doing in the future. But everything changed at 2 o'clock on Friday. A few of you know, not, not very many of you know, uh, 2 o'clock on Friday, the kids, finally, the weather was decent, and so we let them outside to play on, on their, the new playground and the, the trampoline that we've got, and I'm, Mary's in the hammock, and it's, it's just a beautiful sight, and I'm picking up dog poop, because that's what you do when you're the dad. Can we get an amen, fellas, right? You're like, oh, I hate that, I hate that, James. And so, like, I'm doing that, Mary, I, she gets a phone call, and she was supposed to be napping, but she gets a phone call, and she's like, yeah, oh, hey, yes, ma'am, mm-hmm. yes, we will, we would love to, yes, we will. And she was super polite, I'm like, okay, she's not talking to a family member, she's not talking to a church member, she's not talking to, like, all these, because I know how she talks to people. That came out wrong. <laughs> she's not here. <laughs> But, like, you can tell, like, your spouse, your significant other, your friend, like, you can tell, like, who they're talking to based on how they talk to him on the phone. I said, hey, who's that baby? And she's like, baby? Well, we get to go get a baby Sunday afternoon. How exciting is that? Like, we get our first placement. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And so she went up to, uh, to get the court order from, uh, some, from CPS uh, Friday afternoon. She messages me. At this point, I am doing things underneath our kitchen sink. Uh, trying to, uh, things that I needed to repent of later, which I have, and I'm, I'm, I'm fixing a, 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 the sprayer, and Mary messages me, and she says, hey, we don't, we don't get the kids Sunday. We can get the baby tonight. 
And so like Friday night, like we drove a little while to go to where we needed to go to a hospital to go get this baby and sit through a couple hour class so we could bring home, like she's now a 13 day old baby. And so Mary's at home. If you're like, where's Mary? She's at home with a 13 day old baby right now. Now it's, it's our first foster placement and there might be an option to adopt, but like when I wrote down Mary and I, I had other intentions, but it was interesting because we were there at the hospital and, and the lady says, well, what got you into fostering? I said, well, that's a funny story you should ask. She, the, the, the nurse was a, is a believer and so we just kind of walked her through our story back from when we first got married and we're like, hey, you know, we envisioned our house being like this and having this many kids and Mary was for, for this and I wasn't or da-da-da-da-da, but God changed our hearts and here's what happened and we remembered our past together. Now there's another lady that knows our past. And now you as a body of believers, you know our past. And you know, you, you know where our future is headed. Which is a beautiful thing. But going back to verse 8. Moses, again, he's singing this in front of the people. And he's like, hey, listen guys, this is a big deal. That you remember what God is doing in your life together. Verse 8. And when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance and divided the human race, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of people of Israel. Now, normally I wouldn't highlight this word, these words Most High, but you should underline that because it's the, the Hebrew word Elyon. And if you know the names of God, then this name pops out to you because you're like, oh, I know Elyon. It's E-L-Y-O-N if you're taking notes. Elyon means supreme. Like when, when Moses is talking about the Most High, he's saying superlative, supreme, like there's no, nobody else, there's no one ever, even, even in God's league, he is the, the biggest, the highest, the supreme. For Moses, at 120 years old, with all the baggage that he had, for him, he's saying, God is my lens, God is my worldview, God is the way in which I see the whole world and that I make all of my decisions, and I want to encourage us as a body of believers today that God is your Most High. That God is your lens. That God is your way of looking at the world. Like if I could encourage you for one thing today, that would be it. Because you need to remember that your worldview influences all of your decisions. So make God the model for your living. Not only does it show God is Moses' framework for life, but it reveals two more things. It reveals that God is sovereign. He's like, hey, God, you gave the nations their inheritance. You're like, you divided up the nations. Like, you're, you're over everything, God. You're sovereign. But number two, it shows that he cares for humanity. Look at verse 9 just for a moment. The Lord's portion is his people. Not the land that he divided up. Not the fact like, oh, we've got all these different people. You know, like, oh, this is cool. It's not a quantitative thing. It wasn't a numerical issue. It wasn't land issue. For God, you're his thing. You're his portion. That God cares so infinitely about you today. If you were sitting there and you were kind of wondering, you're like, dude, my 2017 was terrible. I didn't feel like anyone cared about me. I want to let you know. God of the universe, the most high, superlative, supreme being, cares for you. He cares for you. God made his people his special treasure. I want to finish with two more verses. I'll give you some questions and I'll give you a quote and we're done. Flipping on to verse 43, the end of his song, he says, Rejoice, you nations, concerning his people, for he, God, will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his adversaries. He will purify his land and his people. 
That's beautiful. Verse 46, he finishes up and he says, Moses says to the people, he says, take to heart all these words I'm giving you as a warning to you today so you may command your children to follow all the words of this law carefully. You know, I love that phrase, so that you may. It's like, hey, there's a purpose to remembering who God is, remembering what God has done, because it, it immediately impacts your future. When you remember those things, you allow yourself so that you may command your children and do, and do all these other things. Remembering God in our past reminds us that he will satisfy our future. Remembering God in our past reminds us that he will satisfy us in our future. The question is, how are you going to navigate 2018? That's tomorrow. Like, how are you going to navigate 2018? Like, what plans did you think that you had for tonight that you know immediately, like, James, I need to nix those plans because those are terrible. That's a terrible way to set myself up for 2018 already. How are you going to set yourself up? How you navigate 2018? I want to encourage you to remember when. Like, when you had a, had a head-on collision with your sin that separated you from God, and yet Jesus Christ made you free. I want to encourage you to remember when you were tossed in a storm that you couldn't get out of, and yet Jesus rescued you from it by guiding you out. I want you to remember when you were stuck in a pit in 2017, and yet God pulled you out of that. Or I want you to remember when you were too weak emotionally, and yet yet God picked you up and put you on wings like eagles to where you would walk and not faint. Here's a Bible verse I'm going, to send, I'm going to share with you. John Piper shared it, and I'm like, oh, this is excellent. Romans chapter 8, 32. Paul's talking here. And he says, He, God, did not even spare his own son, Jesus Christ, but offered him up for us all. Right? How will he not also, with Jesus, grant us everything? Hello? Can I get an amen? How will he not grant us everything with Jesus Christ? This is the past in this verse. He has done this, and this is our future in this verse. How will he not give us everything? What will you do to trust Christ this year? Chad Ashby, he wrote this in an article when I was doing research. He wrote, we come to understand ourselves as we spend more time reinterpreting our lives through God's word. I'll say it again. We come to understand ourselves as we spend more time reinterpreting our lives through God's word. Like through the lens of scripture, through the lens of God. So my question to you this morning as we close is how are you going to reorient your life? How are you going to trust God? For some of you, it's like, James, I've got to read the Bible, man. I've got to like, put like, God's word center stage in my life and put that lens around it. And that's how I need to see everything in life. For some of you, are like, James, I need to get involved in the life of believers more. And that means like, getting involved in community groups or Sunday school or like, you know, our men's Bible study coming up or our Wednesday night things. Or James, I need, I need to do more than just come. I need to get involved. And some of you are like, I just need to, I need to give up my time and my talents so that I can like serve. But how are you going to trust God more this year? Knowing that Jesus Christ himself has set you free by his death on the cross. Let's pray.